Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. I am your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at DustinTheNow. Probably shouldn't have waited until episode seven to drop my Twitter handle, but there it is. And as always, we've got an All Kinds of Weather founder and lead writer, Neil Schulman, on today, and you can find him at All Kinds Weather right on Twitter. Neil, how's everything today? It's been a good day, man. Uh, I'm sort of juggling a lot on this on this day, uh, prepping for this podcast, writing a couple articles, putting the finishing touches on that Florida FSU chart that's sort of become a staple of the In All Kinds of Weather brand. For those of you who don't know it, you're in for quite a treat. For those of you who do know, you're in for the 2020 version of the treat you've gotten each of the last several Augusts. Um, uh, yeah, and various real life responsibilities on top of that, but today's been a full day, but we are recording this at night. Dustin says good morning because you guys hear it in the morning, but this podcast is recorded at night and this podcast is definitely the perfect way for me to cap my day and I can't wait to get into it. All right, man. I, I could not agree with you more. It's, it's, uh, it's a great way to really, really cap the day. Um, you guys that are listening, you're probably wondering, where's Casey? Well, Casey's on vacation in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado right now, but don't worry. We do have a special third analyst today to fill in for him. And just to give you a little bit of information about him before we bring him on and say hi, he was a Florida Gator tight end from 2000 to 2003 and was a first-team All-American in 2003. After he graduated from Florida, he was a second-round pick in the NFL draft by the Tennessee Titans, and he played for the Titans for four years. After his NFL career, this man turned from playing the game of football to discussing it. He's currently a contributor for southernpigskin.com, which covers SEC, ACC, Sun Belt, and SoCon football. He is also a co-host of a weekly football show for Pigskin Radio, which airs on ESPN Radio in the Savannah Hilton Head area. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got the one and only Ben Troop on our podcast today. And he is here to get us ready for the 2020 football season. Ben, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, man. You guys, uh, you guys been persistent, man. I, you know, you guys make me feel like somebody, man. My kids, they are, they already say they be like, "Daddy, were you famous?" I'm like, "Nah, man. Daddy was I right back in the day, man. It, 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 it earned a little, a little, little, little recognition, man. Even, even in my, in my, you know, my late 30s. So I'll take it. He was okay. He was okay. He wasn't an yeah. all-American or anything. He was just all <laughs> yeah. right, right? You know how I go. It's great to have you on, Ben. Uh, we're so excited to have you on as our third analyst for our season preview show. We're really starting to build an all-American team of podcast guests here on the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. This is just episode seven for us, and we've already had on Shannon Snell and Chris Doring on previous shows, and now you. Now, in our last episode with Chris, we focused more on Florida's schedule as part of a discussion into the SEC scheduling process for 2020 as a whole. We talked more about the setup and the how and why it was set up the way it was. And today we're going to focus more on the Gators themselves. Before we get going today, two quick pieces of business. Number one, 
we are very proud to introduce and announce our newest sponsor, Stingray Branding. If you or someone you know needs help with website design, graphic design, social media, mobile app, or search engine optimization, look no further than Stingray Branding. To learn more about their services and rates, visit stingraybranding.com. Thank you, Stingray Branding. We are so happy to have you on as a sponsor. The second piece of business we have today is, again, we got to shout out our partner organization, the Gator Good Foundation. This is a nonprofit organization that raises money to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp for the first time. The unfortunate reality is that not everyone is privileged enough to be able to get themselves to a game. Those of us who are privileged enough to get to a game know just how magical the experience is. And so our goal at the Gator Good Foundation is to make that magic happen for them. This is supposed to be our third year doing this. We were, we've been in business since 2018, so that makes year number three for us, or at least it was supposed to be. Probably not going to happen at this point. Uh, that said, we do plan to do something for someone, and we are looking for applicants to take to a game in 2021. If you believe that you or someone you know has a story worthy of consideration, email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. That is GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. And lastly, we do have some big foundation news that's just around the corner that I'm going to tease one more time on this podcast. So to learn more about that and to be the first to know about it and to learn how you can help out, we encourage you to follow our social media handles, which are at the Gator Good on Twitter, at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. Again, that is at the Gator Good on Twitter, at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. Now... For a perfect transition from that ad spot into our discussion tonight, figure we should tell you guys that Ben has even reached out to our foundation to ask how we can help. We just simply followed him on Twitter one day, and he immediately followed back. And before we could say anything, he just immediately DM'd us asking us how we could help. So that's a little fun fact about him. And that's just one of several fun facts about him that's about to hit these airwaves. As you all know by now, we'd like to start off discussions with our guests with a little segment that we call the lightning round, which is a series of quick questions that lets our audience get to know our guests a little bit better. Normally, this is Casey's spot, but since he's currently somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the Rocky Mountains, and since I've been talking for the last couple of minutes nonstop, I'm going to let Dustin take it away this time. Dustin, hey, it's all you. You know, being a, being a 25-year-old, I didn't have the, the pleasure of, of really getting the chance to see you play. Unfortunately, I didn't really start to watch football a whole lot until the 2006 football season. Um, You're late to the party, man. 2006. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got there for the championship, but. Hey, 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 uh, you know, Tim Tebow and Chris Leak, they really. Oh, yeah, you got, yeah, you got, you got there. Really, I mean, I will say Urban Meyer. Tim Tebow, you know, I mean, Carlos Dunlap, Ahmad, Ahmad Black, Major Wright, Joe Hayden. Hey, we had, they had some squads, man. Chris, yeah. you know, they had some squads. I will say that I went to a football game the year after you left in 2004, and the Gators played Miami in a bowl game. Actually, oh I forgot. I think it Peach was. Bowl. Peach, Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl. Yep, 27-10. And they, <laughs> and, they, and they lost. And I told my parents, I said, hey, it's a new year. The Gators are going to have a new coach. It's going to be a new year. We're not going to see this again. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but the, the Gators kind of got a little better in, in future years after that. And 
enough about me. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into something that, that we really like to do here. So, Ben, as Neil mentioned, we like to start with a segment called the lightning round. The first question, why did you become a Florida Gator? Oh, man, that's easy, man. Uh, Steve Spurrier. Uh, back in the day, I uh, went to Butler High School. Uh, we didn't have, we didn't put out, we went out, I didn't go to a prestigious high school in Augusta, Georgia that was putting out Division One talent every year. I didn't, I didn't even know what the recruiting process was, to be quite honest with you. I mean, we had guys that went to places like, you know, Georgia Southern, Albany State, uh, South Carolina State. So, um, you know, when I was going through the recruiting process, I mean, my cousins, my grandmother had a lot of kids. So, the, my, my grandmother's older uh, uh, daughters, their, son, their, their sons and daughters like 10, 12 years older than me. So I had a cousin named Purcell. And, uh, you know, he heard about me, like, you know, going through the process. He was like, he said, uh, hey, cuz. He said, hey, cuzzo. He said, uh, when Steve Spurrier come to your house, you do not tell him no. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why would Steve Spurrier come to my house? Because I don't, I don't know anything about recruiting. My mom, you know, my mom's been a praying woman, a, a God-fearing woman my whole life. She told me she saw gators in her future. I mean, in her in in dreams, I'm sorry. So after that, man, and then out of all the coaches, from the Lou Holtz to the Tommy Bowens uh, to the Jim Donnans, all these coaches, Steve Spurrier was the first coach to come to my house. And I just remember my lines. A couple, a couple of assistant coaches was giving me the spiel about University of Florida, you get the best of both worlds academically, athletically, best fans in the world. And at the end, Coach, Coach Berger looked at me and said, Benny, you going to be with us? I was like, yes, sir. And then, you know, I went on all my business, but the rest was history, man. And, and he didn't even throw the ball to the tight end. But, hey, man, you know, Coach Berger was the rock was a rock star coach back then, how you got these big-time rock star coaches now. But it's a no-brainer, man. I mean, I think I, I know I made the best decision possible. But Steve Spurrier came to my crib in the AUG. Probably didn't even know who I was. They probably said, listen, his name is Ben, ben his family called him Benny, and my family calls me Benny. When he called me that, I said, hey, man, I'm going, I'm going to Gainesville. Man, that's a great answer. So the next question that we wanted to ask you is, what was your favorite win to be part of as a Gator? Ooh, my favorite win. Um, I can't say Georgia because we never lost to them, never lost to Georgia. You know what? My favorite win would have to be my junior – my June – Junior year, we played Auburn because my sophomore year we was ranked number one in the country. Went to Auburn, lost by a field goal, and it's set up the same way that we 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 sent the field goal block team out. My my sophomore year, we were at Auburn, and you know, Cass was like, "Oh man, we we gonna block and kick." We they end up kicking the field goal, we lost. Fast forward the next year, Steve Spurrier's gone to the to the NFL. We got runs up. It's tied twenty to twenty. They finna kick the field goal to win again. Coach, I mean, uh. uh uh, special team coach said, field goal block team. Field goal block team come up. Everybody, you know, you can hear a pin drop in the stadium. Like 80, 90,000 people, everybody's quiet. All of a sudden, we look. Bobby McCray get his big paw up there, block the kick. Man, we go to overtime. Taylor Jenkins scored a game with a touchdown. We, we In overtime, I think this is one of the only overtime games I can remember at Florida in, in the swamp at night. So, yeah, man, we got, some, we got some kickback. And Carlos Rogers, who will go on to win the Thorpe Award, in 2004, was actually my teammate at Butler, so I got some, I got some, I got some uh, kickback with my old teammate from high school. Um, hey man, I love that. the The Florida Auburn rivalry is something that uh, that is truly missed, but that's definitely a great game. So our next question for you: 
What was your favorite Gator win to witness as a fan after your playing days were over? Oh, man. Uh, my favorite Gator. You know what? The year, the year after Georgia did that old dumb stuff, when they, when they scored the touchdown and took the whole team in the end zone, they're trying to do that old cute stuff. And the, the, the next year when we beat the brakes off of them and uh, Urban Meyer kept calling timeouts at the end of the fourth. Like, the game was over. And he kept calling timeouts. At the end of the fourth quarter, and I remember when uh, I remember Cam going up to Urban Mike, slapping him on the butt. I cannot stand Georgia from the state of Georgia, but I, I I didn't like how they ran the whole. Oh, they trying to psych us out with their minds. So the next year, when we spanked that behind, man. So yeah, I mean that 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 had to be my funnest one because you know them boys, them boys up there in Athens, man. They they think they got a better brand of football than us. Yeah, they they I don't know what they smoking, but they need they need to go back to the to the guy that giving them what they giving them and tell them, hey man, we tripping out here. Honestly, I'm low-key mad at Brandon Spikes for that day because, yeah, there was the big hit on Marino. We all remember that. He's a legend for that. But but Brandon Spikes convinced Urban Meyer to challenge a catch by A.J. Green that Florida had no chance of overturning because he definitely did catch the football. And because Florida lost that challenge, it cost him a timeout in the second half. So that's why Urban Meyer could only call two timeouts instead of three. But that aside – I got to say, I absolutely loved every single syllable of that answer. That was, that was just great. That was just a, a fantastic day. Yes. Just, just yes. Uh, <laughs> Next question. What was your favorite stadium to play in not named the Swamp? Oh, man, that's easy, man. Uh, Death Valley, man, LSU. Uh, never lost in Death Valley. Won there my – Sophomore year, we was ranked number one in the country. We spanked them, too. We beat the brakes off of LSU. And in 2003, my senior year, we three and three, headed to LSU um, in Death Valley. 18-year-old quarterback by the name of Chris Leak, my senior year. And uh, Willie Jackson, the great Willie Jackson uh, that played at Florida, he, he, some kind of way, he, he were on playing with us. And he said, hey, Troop, man, if y'all lose this game, don't even come back to Gainesville. Like, it ain't just, just stay in Baton Rouge, but yeah. We go down there, I mean, Kiwan Rattler, Bobby McCray, defense play, lights out. Seattle Faison and uh, C4 and, uh, and Rand Carthon had touchdown passes. And, yeah, they won, they won the national championship that year, but they had, they had, that, they had that L on, on, on that schedule, and that would be for them boys from GBL. So got to be my senior year at LSU. What a great answer. It's always great to, to see that stadium quiet. Yes. Quiet, and that's what, that's what you guys were able to do. So last question for the lightning round. What's your favorite Gator jersey combo, both home and away? Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, at home, I mean, I, even, though, even though they won't want to do it a lot, man, them all blues. Oh, man. Because, see, cause see, I'm jealous of these boys now because they get to wear, like, all orange and, Oh, so I so, so I'm just from the ones I played in, the all blues at home. And listen, man, on the road, if we come out with them icy whites on, you already know what it is, baby. We 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 clean it in the board of health when we run out with them icy whites on, orange helmets, white cleats. So yeah, at home, all blues at, at on on the road. Give me them icy whites, man. You know what it is. Wait, so you're talking about the uh, I, I get I got um you know white tops, white pants. You're talking about the white helmets or the orange helmets on no, white no, no, and no, white. No, 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 uh, yeah, I, see, see, that's what I'm saying. These guys now they get different. I'm talking about orange helmets, cursive, you know, cursive gators right. with the all whites. I mean, I, I okay, I mean, I, gotcha. I, I got it. Them all whites is like, 
Uh, I think I got a chance to wear the all. I wore the all whites at Vanderbilt when we had black cleats, and it was nice. I think my junior year. So yeah, I like the all whites. I mean, cause you know, you, you know, we got some of the we we got classic like you know with the white with the blue top, blue with the white top. I mean, blue with the a blue top with the white bottom. But on you know, but if I could pick a, I like I like solid all blue at home, all white on the road, and you know, and we and we getting the dub either way. The monochrome look, I like it. Yeah. Love it. I think that was the most lively <laughs> lightning round we've had so far. <laughs> it, it just sets the table so perfectly for the rest of the episode. Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So with that said, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the here and now. Uh, again, we, we really focused on the schedule and the setup of it by the SEC and how it was put together with Chris Doring. But it is such a peculiar setup that I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't talk to you a little bit about it. I mean, it's nothing like what you played through in your time at Florida. So we're going to save our game-by-game predictions for the very end. But for right now, what are your thoughts on how the schedule sets up for the Gators? I think uh, I think it sets up perfectly. I think you got some games in there to where, you know, I mean, we got the usual suspects, you know, of the Georgias, you know, of the Tennessees. Um, I like the fact that we can get LSU at home. I like the fact that, you know, we get Ole Miss on the road, Arkansas at home. We got, we got some, we got some barometer games. So I, I, I just think that at the end of the day, uh, we built for this. When you look at what Florida has been able to do the last couple of years to win two New Year's Six Bowls and things of that nature, you know, you know, so I, so I just, so I just think that, I just think that at the end of the day, um, if Florida's going to be who they say they're going to be, which I believe they are who they say they are, you know, let's go out there and see. I mean, I like it. I, I, I knew that when the schedule came out, I said, I said, Felipe's coming back to the swamp. I already knew Arkansas was coming, you know. But uh, I think the schedule sets up – I think the schedule sets up great. And uh, them boys from Athens, oh, they think just because, oh, Jamie Newman's decided to opt out, y'all still got to come see us. So I, I, th- I, think, I think it sets up great. And But I will say this. I'm a little disappointed we're not playing Alabama in the regular season. I guess we're going to have to wait to see them boys in Atlanta. I'm disappointed we don't get Auburn again. I love that rivalry. I made a point of that in the Chris Doring episode. I really missed that rivalry. I know they had to do it because they wanted everyone to play everyone else in the SEC, so they had to get rid of the second opponent. But, man, I was there in the swamp last year, and I've never heard it that loud. Not, not for the Andre DeBose bomb against Alabama, not for the block against South Carolina. No, takes, I've never heard it that loud. And it just – it's Florida Auburn, man. It's a, it's a rivalry. We gotta have it. It's just so disappointing. I like, I, it, it was great. I mean, I'm happy that Derrick Brown got shot down. Somebody shot him from the stands because he stole. He, he was definitely gonna score. But listen, man, you had listen, man, you had you had insane you had insane Freddie Swain, man. You had you had everything in that game. I mean, that one handed pick by you know what I'm saying. I mean, I I I just think that Florida is built for prime time. And I'm not saying the other teams in the SEC not, but we play our best. Listen, shout out, listen, I'm gonna say this. Shout out to them LSU boys for what they was able to accomplish last year. But we we the one, we the one, uh, we groomed Joe Burrow. We the one groomed him. They better act like they know, man. Don't get me to talking trash about these other schools in the SEC. They all right. I give them they just dues. But if it ain't Florida, it don't matter. Well, we welcome them to the SEC with that pick six by Stewart. So, yes. It's set up perfectly. He did something stupid. You're going to let somebody run a go on the outside with the, with the inside breaking route. Man, we, we, we do this for real. Stuart was like, really? And and I like the fact uh, 
I like the fact that punted that thing in the end zone. Shout out to Brandon Spikes who started that, by the way. I, yes. I knew what he was doing. I, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm just happy that Florida's back in the national conversation. Dan the man Mullen is is the man for the job. And uh, we went from 10 wins to 11 wins. Let's, let's see if we can add that 12th win this year. Sounds good to me. <laughs> man, if we can really get 12 wins, that'll be something special considering the regular season's only 10 games. So that means you're winning not only the regular season games, but you're probably winning a few extra ones that are pretty special. So real quick before we move on, I do want to kind of drag and drop one question from our podcast with Chris. The University of Florida announced that it'll only be having 17,000 fans in the swamp at home games this year. I'm a math guy, so I did the math here. That's not even 19% of the capacity of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Last year against Auburn, Florida had 90,584 fans in the swamp. Again, doing the math, that's 18.767. Yes, I went to the thousandths place percent of the Auburn game, a game that anybody who was part of that or watched it on TV or saw the the Twitter clips of what it looked like when P. Ryan ran the ball and, and got in the open field and scored the touchdown. And the entire place, in the words of Mick Hubert, was an insane asylum. It's going to be very different this year. You, Ben, uh, a guy who played in the Swamp, played for a guy who, who created that name, the Swamp. So I have to ask you, Ben, what are your thoughts on having 17,000 fans? Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes with this, with this year. I mean, not, I mean, this is a new normal. For 2020, I mean, everything has been, everything has been, you know, uh, like replaced with something different. But listen, Florida already had the hottest tickets, and, you know, going, going. I mean, if you, if you had access to all the tickets, they're still hard to get. You still got just as many people outside of the stadium as you did in the stadium. But it's just going to make 2020 that more prestigious. Like, think about people who are just – who are going to their first Florida game this year. You got the best seats in the house. And I th- and you're going to look back on the same, man, how you know you're a real Florida Gator fan? Because I, I I got tickets in 2020. I, I, th- I am happy at the fact there are going to have some fans there. But it's going to be different. It is going to be very, very different. And I, I don't listen. I, I do not envy uh, these uh, ticket masters. I do not envy the people who are over these tickets. They probably got to change their phone number. They probably got to change their address because it is it's got it's got to be crazy. But I, I wouldn't expect nothing different. I mean, at first I was thinking that the players were going. I mean, it was going to be weird having to play in an empty stadium. But the fact that you're not going to have to pump in crowd noise, because I guarantee that's seventeen thousand. Oh, they're going to do their best to sound like ninety thousand. It's still going to be loud in there. So I, I so shout out to the seventeen thousand people. It, hopefully by the end of the year, if they got a vaccine or something, I'm not I'm not Dr. Fauci or anything of that nature. I'm just saying maybe they might have to have make, might get a chance to have more. But man, the fact that they've already announced it's gonna be seventeen thousand, though. Oh my God! I mean, could you imagine being trying to get one of those tickets? And I don't even know if that's counting season ticket holders. But hey man, I do not envy you, ticket masters people. May God bless y'all because it is going to be crazy. I tell you, to be in that LSU game, I would put on a spacesuit just to be in that game. 
So question, how are the players going to get juiced to play in front of just 17,000 fans? Is it going to be any different than – No, no, no. It's, it's Florida. I mean, man, let me tell you something. If you need fans to get you ready to put on that orange and blue, you're doing the wrong thing, man. It's, it's, because I will say this. While you do feed off the fans, which you do, I'm not going to lie, they are a huge part. Once they kick the ball off, man, it's all business out there. It's almost like you're trying to, you know, you understand that you're carrying on a tradition. Man, Emma Smith came through them doors. Man, you know, young blood and those guys came through the Steve Spurrier. So I'm just, I just think that, you're going to realize just how prestigious the position you hold when you run out of there. You Listen, you know, Hubert's still going to be out there saying, you know, he, he's still going to be on, on the, you know, announcing, you know, those Gators. But I just think that whenever, whenever it's limited capacity, whenever it's standing room, whenever it's like limited seating, but you still the show. I don't care if they will let two fans in there. You still the show. Hey, man, go out there, man, be a showstopper, man. Give those 17,000 fans the best game they ever seen because I can't speak for these other fan bases around the SEC, a.k.a. they fake. They not real. We got real yeah. fans. Florida has yeah. real fans, so yeah. shout out to them 17,000. But Florida, playing for Florida, it, it has its own built-in excitement. It comes, it comes with a built-in level of excitement all on its own. And, uh, hey, man, if I got to give a show to 17,000 or 17 people, kick the ball off, man, and, 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 them, and them competitive juice, hey. they'll get the floor. And, hey, you know that there's going to be at least a million watching on the other side of the TV cameras. So you better put on a show. You better put on a show. SEC Network, ESPN, ESPN2, CBS. I don't care. You better put on a show. I like that. I like that answer. Oh, we put we I like they're, that. They're gonna, they're gonna. Every, listen, every time I'm blessed enough to be able to go talk in Florida, I always let them know, dude. Y'all sitting in the the premier seats in the country. Y'all are the creme de la creme. Mm -hmm. Y'all, if y'all, if you know, it's like y'all that 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 prime cut of steak that everybody can't afford. Y'all, well, you know, what I'm I mean, y'all are who people like build their whole week around. Embrace that. I mean, the Gator standard is real. I mean, it ain't something, it ain't a tag, it ain't a hashtag, it ain't a tagline. You know, it's real. Y'all are a national brand. So I, 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 just, I just think that it's amazing. I'm humbled every time I think about the fact that I played the Florida man, I go, how in the world did I not mess this up? And I didn't mess it up, man. I, I mean, so I'm a part of that tradition. And you know, I mean, listen, we stick together, man. Orange and blue skies for life, man. We ain't like these other fan bases. We ain't like these other teams. We ain't front runners. I rock with my squad regardless. And, you know, and it did, and I ain't going to lie, it did feel good last year to kind of win the state. You know, Florida State beat the breaks off of Miami. Ha! Beat y'all first game of the year. So, yeah, this is what we do. If you can't get juiced from the brother next to you, or from the guys to your left or to your right, then I don't know what's going on with you. I mean, I know – well, Ben told you what's going on with you. It means you're doing guys. it wrong. Yeah, that's exactly. you're absolutely right. That's it. Like, you know, Ben, ben just lie. went right through it. He said you're doing it wrong. You're because not alive. I mean, I mean, somebody need to check you for a post. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm being honest. I mean, somebody, somebody need to check you for a post. I mean, you said it. I mean, when Hubert said, it's an insane asylum in this thing. I was like, man, yes. this is, it's the swamp, man. I mean, we ain't like LSU and Clemson, two, two, two states, both named Death Valley. Who's the real Death Valley? No, we the swamp. Now, this is what we do for real. And, right. I, and like I said, I don't 
I don't compare us to nobody else because there is no comparison. Yeah. I mean, so, and like I say, you got to hold us back. There is nothing when you run out at when you run out on the swamp. There's a reason why they let you run out. Then they sing the national anthem because you be out of breath. I mean, you are out of breath. That stuff is that that stuff is real. The swamp is a living, breathing organism. It is a real thing. And hey, man, most people most people only hear about it. Most people only you know heard about what the swamp is. Well, we get to live it. We've done it, and you know we about to do it again. Hey, I love it. So as we both mentioned, this offseason is unlike anything in history. There have been some pretty rocky ones for Florida. So the standard for craziness was already pretty high. You have to look back to last year with the Chris Steele saga. Before that, we know the credit card disaster. We'll put that one on McAway, though. And I'm so glad that we have a new coach. Not to badmouth any previous coaches, but Mullen's definitely doing a great job. Anyway. You didn't go through anything like this. But as far as this year, the pandemic, it, it's pretty insane. The lack of a spring practice, um, you know, of course, all the calls for social justice, it, it's been unprecedented. And it's, there's been so much adversity that we really haven't seen before. But I'd like you to channel your playing days again. If you're a veteran leader, on the 2020 football team, what's your message to the team this offseason? I'm asking them what you want to be known for, what you want to be remembered for. Because the thing is, 2020 is different. I'm going to say, listen, fellas, as a, you know, this, if this is my senior, I'll say, listen, this is my last ride. And uh, I want to make sure I go out with a bang. But there aren't too many people in a position like us. There aren't too many people that get to be a voice for the voiceless. Uh, to, to, to shine a light in a dark place. And if you want to be seen as more than athletes, you got to act like it. So utilize utilize your platform. Talk about what's really going on in this world. Talk about the fact that, yes, for me, the University of Florida is a safe haven. I got a chance to, to really engulf myself in the college atmosphere. And I became, you know, a part of this, you know, unique opportunity. But I'm still from Swainsboro, Georgia. I'm, I still graduated high school from Augusta, Georgia. I still understand that there, that there are disenfranchised people throughout, throughout this great nation. So let me be a voice because at the end of the day, I'm a student, I'm a student and an athlete, but I'm a person throughout. So I would make sure that those young, those young guys coming behind me, that my fellow seniors understood that, listen, we, we want to stand for something because we don't want to fall for anything. I, I will be extremely, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Ron Zuck, who was my head coach at the time, would not have, you know, tried to sh- try to like silence me. But I look at what Dan Mullen and in the, in the Florida, you know, uh, the entire Florida football uh, staff said we stand against it. I stand against it, and that's what that's what 2020 is about. I wrote something about it uh, on uh, SouthernPigskin.com talking about player empowerment. That's what we should be doing. Cause listen, man. It's no coincidence we great players. We got the greatest coaches. We got the, we had the greatest school. We got the greatest resources. We got the greatest infrastructure. How can we not become great? But I want those people to know from my hometown to my for my former teammates to my to my family and friends and, and and former coaches to know I still care about y'all because y'all are the reason why I am who I am. It's not it's not this individual thing. It's a me thing, not a we thing. So my so I would just make sure that those 
you know, and I'm going to say it, I'm proud of Trevor Lawrence. I'm proud of Kylan Hill. I'm proud of Marvin Wilson. I'm proud of the Pac-12. I'm proud of Zachary Carter. I'm proud, you know, I'm proud of, uh, you know, uh, I'm proud of all those guys that decided to, who uh, Zachary Carter and those guys who, 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 who decided we might not, you know, we might not come back because even though they did, football is temporary. And it's going to it's gonna be one of the greatest parts of my life. But if I'm only going to be known for what I did on the football field, I have failed myself and I have failed those people. So, listen, I look at it like this. By me giving myself permission to be a voice, I'm giving other people to be a voice, you know, permission to it. So, yeah, that, that's I, I know I would have done that. And to be quite honest with you, Ron Zook wouldn't have accepted anything less, man. He was the greatest coach I ever. He was the coach I needed, man, because he showed me that, he said, Ben, you make it up in your mind and you do it. You make up in your mind you're the best tight in the country, you put the work behind it. You make up in your mind that you're going to be a voice, be a voice. So I, I, I just think that 2020 has highlighted the fact that we're not just football players. We're not just student athletes. That's just what we do. That's not who we are. And I'm proud of these young men for utilizing their platform because they're a lot smarter than I would have been, man. I'm, I'm, proud of the, I'm proud of the fact that we passed the torch and they're taking it to another level. So – with all that going on, it's totally understandable for players to want to opt out of the season for any number of valid, of valid reasons. And as you mentioned, these guys aren't just toys for our entertainment. They're people. And they absolutely have a right to express their views. And I've made this clear both on this podcast and social media that the right thing to do as fans is to respect their opinions and respect their decisions. Agree with them or not understand that they're people and they have a right to their opinion just as you do when you're hitting that reply button on Twitter. So, so stick to sports and shut up and play or, or whatever. Those, those are attitudes I don't really have any tolerance for. That said, for those who do choose to play, I do wonder if for some of them, the outside noise could be a distraction and legitimately so, because I mean, these are real serious issues. These we're, we're, we're talking 17, 18, 19, 20, some 21-year-old kids having to face real issues that they should never have to face, but they are, and it's right there. So it would be understandable if these guys had trouble focusing on football. How do you think that Dan Mullen and his staff have done walking that line of, you know, proving to the players that they really do care about them as people in this tough time while also making sure that they're getting ready to compete for a national title? By, uh, by supporting them in both, uh, in both environments. I think you have to do both. I think what happens is, I mean, obviously when you look at, when you look at leadership, it starts at the top. When Dan Mullen says, listen, man, me as a white man, I don't go through a lot what my players go through. But if I can go in their living rooms and recruit them and I'm telling their parents, man, I'm going to treat him as if he was my own son, what would I do for my own son? I'm going to empower him. I'm going to make sure that he's still going to be the best football player because I'm a challenger. You always hearing him talk about that strain, that strain, that strain. But I also understand that I'm empowering these people to be leaders away from football. They're always talking about being a leader, a leader away from the football field. They talk about that gator standard. And I think Dan Mullen has to do both because, like, I, it goes back to what I said previously. Some of these young men don't understand who they really are. They really think they're just football players. And you showing them, nah, you more than that. And they're teaching them how to multitask. Man, I could be great in a lot of areas. I could be a great football player and a great ambassador for people. I could, I could, stand, up, I could stand up on Saturday to help us win, and I could stand up for people who cheer for me on Saturday. 
people that look like me don't look like me. So I think that the main thing is Dan Mullen and his staff doing a great job of making sure that they are promoting clear empowerment through their voice. Because when Dan Mullen speaks, they listen. So when he says, I stand with you and I stand against injustice, that does more for those players than those touchdowns because football is going to be over for a lot of them. Probably sooner rather than later. So you propelling them to be all of who they are, not some of who they are. So I think that there ain't no such thing as just a football coach, man. You a father figure. You are you a guidance counselor. You a motivator. You know, you getting me to do a, a coach's job is to get me do do to do things I didn't even know I had the capability of doing. And that stretches far beyond the football field. So Dan Mullen to me has proven why he's a great coach. Not the X's and the O's, because we know he can do that. But the fact that he says, I stand, number one, I'm, I, I learned more than I've ever learned in the last two weeks than I've learned in my entire life. And I want to help my players by standing with them. I mean, who wouldn't want to run through a wall for a guy like that? It's funny you say that because I literally tweeted out a couple of days ago saying the definition of a family, Dan goes to war for his boys, his boys go to war for him. And I, and I had pictures of Dan with the mask in that um, – in that March with uh, with the Gator basketball team too. And I had pictures of, I think it was Trayvon Grimes, Amari Bernie and Kyrie Elam either diving. Yeah. Bernie and Grimes are diving for catches or for an interception and for a catch. And Elam was going high for that pick against Virginia and just showing like they'll lay their bodies out on the line for him. The way Mullins going into the trenches with them. It's not the same thing, but it, in a way it kind of is like they're doing things for each other that maybe isn't physically or emotionally comfortable. Like I imagine, I mean, well, I, I play football, like diving head first when you hit your helmet on the ground, knocks the wind out of you. It's not the most pleasant thing, but you do it for a cause greater than yourself. Like Mullen going into the trenches with his boys, like he said, he doesn't really know much about it. This isn't his comfort zone. He's stepping out of it to do something for the boys that, you know, he told their parents, I'm going to make sure that I treat this kid like my own son. So I think that's a great, that's a perfect embodiment of that. We did a whole show about this with Shannon Snell. He was our first guest on the podcast, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job here if I didn't use this opportunity to, to ask you about the topic of racial justice. You're, you're very well-spoken and you're very active on Twitter regarding this topic. And I also think that the more different perspectives we get on this topic, the better off we all are. So you, you kind of talked about it before, but I wanted to give you the floor and let you tell us everything that's on your mind about what's currently happening in our country regarding racial, uh, racial injustice right now. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, if I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say, man, it wasn't something to where that really like touches a nerve for me because a lot of people be trying to make it seem as if we just making things up. I'm always talking to my, to you know, to Kevin and BJ, the guys I'm blessed enough to be on the radio with. And I said, listen, man, black people don't wake up in the morning and send a, a, a mass text message and say, hey, today we're going to talk about Breonna Taylor. Or today we're going to talk about Mr. Blake. Or today we're going to talk about Ahmaud Arbery. No, it's, it's, it's these things are happening. And, you know, until the people it does not affect are just as outraged as the people it does affect, these type of things are going to go on. And yeah. let me let me say this. As a black man, I'm not blaming white people. You know, or if I say I'm pro-black, I'm not saying I'm anti-white. It's it, it comes back to the fact that, you know, I'm a person. And, these, and my reality and your reality might not be the same, but we live in the same world. We share, we, we share the same wants and, 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 and uh, we want the best for ourselves and our children and our lives. But I just think that 
when you talk about when you talk about social injustice, it's one of those things to where I just want to make sure I'm doing my part. I want to make sure that people understand that uh, I'm not walking around with a woe is me mentality. I'm I'm not, I'm just trying to make sure that I utilize my platform. I utilize my 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 gifts, my strengths, my abilities to to push this narrative. I mean. I'm proud of Colin Kaepernick because people didn't understand him in 2016 because they thought he was looking for clicks. They thought he was looking for, you know, they thought he was sensationalizing a topic he wasn't. He was talking about something that, and he didn't ask somebody to help. Um, he, he wasn't looking to, to get a whole bunch of uh, fellow uh, NFL players to, to join him. He was just looking to do his part. To me, social injustice is a sickness. It's, it's, it's a sickness that we have to, you know, not just treat it, you know, to make sure we, you know, not treat the symptoms, treat the root cause. And I just think that what Dan Mullen says about just listen, understanding that, okay, some of this stuff can sound like a myth. It can sound like a folktale, but it is real. What people don't understand is this. I live in Brunswick, Georgia. I don't live too far from what happened to Ahmaud Arbery. I run around my neighborhood just like a mom. So what happened to him could have easily happened to me. And the thing is, I don't get to separate it. You know, it's one of those things to where social injustice is one of those things to where, you know, it's ugly. The truth usually is, but that, but we shouldn't run from it. It's why it's, it's one of those things. If you watch a gruesome injury on Saturday, most people turn away. Don't turn away. Look at it. And let's and let's and let's find a, and let's find a solution together. This ain't about pointing the finger. This ain't about oh you this and oh you that. No, we trying to eliminate. I have a one year old nephew. He's a year old. I don't want my one year old nephew to come up in the same world that I came with because I saw the best way to describe social injustice is this. It was a little boy. He walked into the building, and he and this lady sees him, and he says, "I need you to help me." And she says, "What you need to help me with?" And they just showing him and her. And then he shows her. Then she goes over, she grabs his dog, the black kid, little black boy. She goes over, she gets his uh, she gets his dog, the black dog. She says, This little kid needs you to help him. Now everybody's kind of looking at black at the little kid. And uh the doctor goes over to him and he says, I need you to help me with this. And they ain't showing the, they just showing the kid. Then all of a sudden, he says, uh, I need you to help me get this off. And the doctor says, This doesn't come off. And when the camera, when the camera goes wide, he has a target on his chest. And to me, that's a problem because at the end of the day, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said the best man judge me not by the content of my, I mean, by the color of my skin, but the content of my character. Well, if you cannot get past my skin, you'll never get to that character aspect. So I just think that social injustice is a we problem, not just a me problem. And I, I didn't do anything to be, I didn't do anything to be looked upon the way I'm looked upon, but I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to do my part. And uh, I just think that, you know, uh, football taught me nothing else, man. It taught me that, man, we are stronger together. And I'm not looking for no handout. I'm not looking for no sympathy. I'm looking for empathy, understanding, and 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 a willingness to get down to the bottom of this. Because, like I mentioned, if the people it doesn't affect, if the people it doesn't affect aren't as outraged as the people that does, this is this is this is this is going to continue to go on. Here, here's what gets me on this topic. It's when. It's when something as innocuous as Gators for Racial Justice appears in a photo on Dan Mullen's Twitter feed and people go into the comments and say, keep politics out of it. Or, 
you know, stick to sports or just coach the team up. Worry about Georgia. You lost to Georgia the last couple of years. Worry about that. Or worry about getting paid back on LSU. Stuff like that. The common mantra among white people in these times is I vow to listen and learn, right? I mean, you mentioned that. Dan Mullen mentioned that. And I think for the most part, white people understand that what black people are going through isn't right. We don't understand the depths of it. We can't say we've been through it, but we understand it's not right. And I think that's a good thing because I think we need to be educated as much as possible in order to fix the problem. But how do you educate people who don't want to be educated on this topic? I don't know if you can. And I don't, and I don't think that's where you place your efforts. I think too often at times in life, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not here to try to get people up to speed who are, who have no uh, inkling of wanting to get up to speed. I'm here, I, and to be quite honest with you, it, can, it just comes down to the fact that, you know, I'm doing this for something bigger than me. I'm doing this for, for my children. I'm doing this for my children's children. And there are going to be people who are just going to be willfully ignorant. As you mentioned, white people know that black people, uh, you know, it ain't right, and they don't know the depths of it. But all you need to know is it ain't right. Like, I know that what's going on is not right. Meaning, my best friend is a type 1 diabetic. I'm not a diabetic. But I know that I, but I don't, I don't want to be insensitive to his situation because I'm not a diabetic. I can see the type of things that goes on with him. He gets me up to speed to his situation by, by me being around him. The, 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 the whole thing about the miseducation of what goes on with black people is the fact that, look, I played football my whole life. And I was pretty good. You know, I, I, uh, I played sports my whole life. I'm pretty good. I am an expert at being black. I'm an expert at it. Because that's all I've ever been. And the problem is, as long as you keep listening to what happened to me outside of me, as long as you keep getting informed with what happens with me outside of me, you're, you're always going to be misinformed. You know, I learned about diabetes because my friend is a diabetic. I didn't go in there telling him, man, I don't think you that sick. Come on, man. You don't really got to take that insulin. That's, that's, that's disrespectful. And that's dismissive. Stop dismissing another person's experience just because you don't experience. Stop dismissing another person's reality just because that's not your reality. And I think it just comes down to the fact that I used to think that we were better than that. As you mentioned, Dan Mullen put up something about gators against social injustice. And look at, and look at the people come out trying to tell them, don't nobody want to hear that. I'm going to say this. Politics is people. Social injustice has to do with people. And until until we are all walking, until we are living in the same reality and not just living on the same, you know, earth, it, it's always going to be like this. But I'm not I'm not interested in trying to get a person up to speed who who only wants to make a mockery of me and, and my condition. I'm willing to really do my part and to those people who are, you know, invested in me or understand me. They'll, they'll, they'll come and I'll get them up to speed, you know, as I'm moving. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's always going to be that constant fight, but I, but I look, listen, I've been through my head in the fire. I've been in, I've been in the fight for 38 years and I'm going to stay in it only because man, I'm built to last and, and I'm, and I'm intrigued by, listen, I'm intrigued by what's coming. I don't do I don't dwell on what was, I live in the what is. Hey man, as long as being true, man, is, is a part of this fight, man, I'm going to battle this thing to the end. Cause like I say, I'm doing this for something bigger than me. You mean you got two kinds of doors, the ones that you open and the ones that open when you go towards them. I mean, I'm going to do both. I'm going to open doors for this thing to go away and I'm going to hopefully doors are open for me cuz I understand it. I mean, I'm this this is what I'm supposed to do cuz but yeah, that 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 willful ignorance, those blatant 
just idiotic people, man, who they just trolls. They, 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 I'll never meet them. I always say this, if you're willing to say what you, if you're willing to say how you feel about me to my face, I respect you a lot more than sitting behind computer screens, you know, with 120 characters or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really think that these keep politics out of sports people who associate Dan Mullins' Gators for Racial Justice posts with politics are really ever likely to get their wish because whatever you want to categorize this topic as, it's not going away. It is ingrained in college football right now. You, you can't separate the two. When, when so many of the student athletes risking their physical and mental health on a weekly basis are in that group of people that just aren't being treated as equals, we don't have the option of separating them. We even, just this past Saturday, we just saw Kirk Herbstreet literally crying in front of a national audience on college game day, imploring, begging us as a country to do better. And that's actually the last question I had for you on this topic before we move our discussion back to football and do our season preview and predictions. When people say we have to do better, I think all reasonable people would agree with that statement. But in your mind, what do we need to know in order to do better moving forward? Well, the main, the main thing is <laughs> I'm only accepted because of how I look and what I've done. Like, I'm a big black man for life, right? But because I'm being true to, to play for Florida, oh, he's different. Oh, I'm being true to play in the NFL, he's different. I'm being true with ESPN Radio, he's different. No, I'm not. You know, oh, that's Ben. Like, you know, no, I'm not. And my my rookie year, uh, my rookie year with the Tennessee Titans, I'm coming back home to visit, you know, to visit my parents in Swainsboro. And uh, I'm coming down I-16. It's, it's an interstate. Late at night, you know, um, and and the and these cops, two white cops, got these. They got they got they uh they got they're in the median and they got they light shine on the road. Now, I'm not gonna lie, I was speeding. I mean, it's late at night. I'm trying to get home, and uh, they pull me over. And the guy uh and I can and I cannot I cannot make this stuff up. The guy pulls me over and I had this white residue on my fingers. So he put the cuffs on me. He takes me out the car. He's going out through my car. I'm in the back. I'm in the, I'm in the back of my car while with his partner. It's cold, too. It's January. He's going out through my stuff. While he's going through my stuff, the, the, the cop says, hey, man, can my, can my partner go through your stuff? And I'm like, he's already going through my stuff. He, I said, what you got the cuffs on me for? He goes, cuz, man, you got the white residue on your fingers. I said, white residue on my finger? Like, yeah, I said, man, that's white cheddar cheese popcorn. The freaking bag is right there on my passenger seat, right? All of a sudden, he realized how stupid he looks. They stop. He stopped going through my stuff. He took me out the cuffs. He, get, he him and his partner get in his car, and they go the other way. What scares me the most about that is, this is well before camera phones. They could have done anything to me. That could have been my last day on earth, and nothing would have happened to those cops. They would have got paid leave. I would have been a member, and I think that's what scares me the most is, I just want to make sure that I'm seen as a person. I just happen to have melanin in my skin. And I and I and I and I just think that at the end of the day, you know, I want to be seen as a person. Yeah, I'm a big black dude. Absolutely. Love being me. There are privileges of being a big black man. I understand that. But the whole thing about it is if you cannot get past my melanin in my skin, that's your problem. 
But the problem is you make it, you know, you make, you've already deemed me as a threat and all these different things. So I just, I just think that it encourages, it just comes down to the fact that every single thing I do, you know, every single thing I do, you know, if I walk in the room, everybody's looking at me, whether it's black people or white people. But the thing is, white people have deemed me a, a threat just cause. And I'm going to say this. If you never deal with people that you only heard propaganda, false narratives, lies, stereotypes, stop living in that world. That stuff is not true. I am not non-threatening because I play the Florida. I'm non-threatening because I don't live my life that way. But if you only get your news from me or you only get your, your, you know, your information from me through news and media and, and violence and this crazy, that stuff is crazy to me. I mean, good and bad comes in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. I am not prone to violence. I am not prone to be disruptive. I just think that I just think that at the end of the day, once again, if you don't listen to the people you have learned about and you gonna and you're gonna go with the false narrative, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't walk around like I said, I don't walk around with a woe me mentality. I don't walk around with oh being, nah, man, I'ma give it hell. Because at the end of the day, I have three children, two daughters and a son. I have nieces and nephews that's counting on me so that I want my nephew to read about social injustice and racism like it was a myth. Like it wasn't like that really happened. But the problem is he's coming up in the same world as me. And I just, I'm just going to make sure I do my part. I mean, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys giving me, you know, I, you know, platforms like this to talk about it. But to be quite honest with you, man, it pisses me off, man, because it's going on right now. If you can't look at what happened to George Floyd, regardless of how he looked, and say to yourself, what the hell is that? That's your problem. And I think that, and I, I mean, like I said, Dylan Roof killed people at a church and they and they, and he got to go to Burger King and they treated him like a person when they when they when they called him. The kid in Colorado shot up a freaking shot up a freaking uh, movie theater, went outside to reload. He still has his life. George Floyd got murdered for the whole world to see. And they're trying to show, stop criminalizing the victim. So it's too, it's too much to get into, man. And, you know, one time, man, I just know that, yeah. you know, it, it, it just, it just, it just, I'm going to say this, it bothers me and I'm not talking about y'all, but it bothers me that it doesn't bother you at all. So like I said, we had Shannon Snell on, I think, was it, was it three months ago? Wait a minute. No. Wow. Really? Three months ago, we had Shannon Snell on. Damn, time flies. But yeah, anyway, we had him on three months ago to talk specifically about this issue. And he was great. We want to let that conversation with him stand as our official racial injustice episode. But this is literally a matter of life and death. That one episode didn't solve the issue of racism. And these last couple of questions won't do that either. But I, I think as part of that listen and learn mantra that we've mentioned, we just wouldn't be doing our jobs as responsible podcasters if we didn't give you this platform to share your perspective on this. So Ben, again, thank you so much for sharing what you shared. It's important that we hear what you have to say. It's important that we listen. So often people try so hard to win an argument. What matters is there's people that are legitimately hurting, they're legitimately experiencing something that I will never know what it's like to experience. And let me just say this. So um, 
about a year ago, I was hanging out with a friend who, a, a friend of color. Uh, he was actually uh, Hispanic, but he didn't look like me. And I'll just leave it at that. And he got pulled over just for moving his car a little bit to the right. We were in a, a two-lane highway, got pulled over. And the cop literally had the audacity to ask him if he had any bazookas in the trunk. Bazookas in the trunk. See, I, I'll leave it at that, but, but Ben, I will, I will never know what it's like to be in your situation. And the whole situation with what, with, with what the cops did, they literally put cuffs on you. That's terrible. It, it completely uncalled for. You, you, you are, you literally as an American have the right to eat, to eat cheddar popcorn as you're driving. And the fact they see residue on your fingers and they assume the worst, absolutely terrible. And I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, especially people in Twitter land, we get so caught up in winning arguments when all we need to do is listen. Listen to what people have to say. People, people of color, people that that people that I will never understand what they go through. But if I get the chance to listen and I get the chance to be educated and to learn, that, that's what that's all Dan Mullen's doing. So thank you so much for sharing that. No, thank you, man. Thank you. Just had it just had to get it off my chest. Yeah, I'm I'm not and I don't say what I say from a victim mentality, man. When I say I'm nah. gonna give it hell, man, I really I really, really believe the fact that and like you said, and I, and you said something that I that, that I that I'll uh you know uh respond to. You say you'll never understand. But you know what? You could you but you are you do understand because you listen, but I will say I don't want nobody to go through what I go through. I don't want nobody to deal with what I deal with. You know, I, I mean I wouldn't wish this upon nobody. And it's not a myth. This ain't no you know, it sounds like a this ain't no this ain't no fictional tale that's being been to mm mm, and and I and I just think that at the end of the day, the reason why I'm blessed to do what I do because I know who I'm doing it for. I know why I'm doing it, and I'ma always do it. You know, I'ma you know uh, playing football gave me enough fortitude to be able to say, man, I'm I'm bold, man. I'm fearless. I'm unapologetic because I know why I'm doing it, not just that I'm doing it, and. Uh, you know, you got to be willing to be the change that you want to see in this world, man. And that's what I do. I've learned how to respond and not be so reactionary because the one thing that people don't understand about racism, man, it'll make you react and you're not thinking. I've learned to control my emotions so I can respond properly. Doesn't mean I don't want to lash out. Doesn't mean I don't want to clench my fist, but I want to respond in a way to where whatever's coming at me, it, it'll, it, it, it feels me the same way I felt it. And, uh, Hey man, I, I love it though. I I, I love I love the fact that it's people like me in this world, man. Colin Kaepernick and, and LeBron James, you know, unapologetic, man. It's just I mean, Michael Eric Dyson, you know, Cornell West and Ma Mark Lamont Hill, and, you know, Angela Rice. It, it's enough of us out here to know, hey man, come at me. Because I'ma be here. I mean, I, as my, you know, so but but outside of that, I mean, I'm encouraged at the fact that, you know. I'm not gonna stand for this stuff. I'm always, I'm always speak up for it because I know there are people who have settled for this is how it's gonna be. No, forget that. I, I, I man, I mean, you know, I just saw my little nephew in the house at my brother's house, man. 
And every time I look at him, I look at him and say, Deuce, I mean, Juice, you will not deal with this. And if your uncle got to be the reason why you don't, you won't. So I know what, you know, I know what my motivation is. Hey, Ben, we're glad we've got to have this conversation. And, that, and that's what it takes. It's, it's all about conversation. And it, it is a difficult topic. But at the end of the day, we can get so enamored with sports and we can get so excited about sports and athletes and what they do. And we're going to get right to that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, those athletes are people, people with emotions, people with lives, with families, with friends, um, people that, that have aspirations, dreams. And it's important that we sit down and we look at that aspect and not just the sport aspect. Yeah, that's just it right there, Dustin. You hit the nail on the head there. I, I think if we're going to fix this sickness, as Ben called it, this sickness that's permeating our country, we're going to have to look at the people aspect of it, not just the player aspect. And I think we did a pretty thorough job of that today. And I think that our discussion with Ben on this topic really supplements our Snell episode pretty well. Having said that, since we did do such a thorough job of that today as kind of a subtopic in our let's get ready for the season episode. And since there is football to be played in the near future, thankfully, we do have football to discuss. We have a lot of football to discuss. And we've been going for, damn, been going for over an hour already. So for the first time in podcast history, we're going to break up a conversation into two shows. I know that means we're going to leave off on kind of a heavy note today, but We still have so much more to get into with Ben, and what we have talked about with him is far too important to just cram into a a monster two-plus-hour episode. So that's all we've got for this show. We're going to come right back and do our official 2020 season preview show with Ben. We'll talk X's and O's, and we'll make all kinds of predictions for the Gators in this upcoming 2020 season. As always... We thank you guys for listening to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. If you enjoy our show, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. We're still in our infancy here, so we would greatly appreciate that as we grow and develop as a show. Ben, we thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your unique perspectives. And we look forward to getting you right back next week and, and previewing the 2020 Gator football season. So thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for having me. Again, we thank you guys so much for listening. We encourage y'all to stay safe, stay healthy, and, of course, go Gators.